We're starting a series called Translating God. And this series is going to have much to do with prophecy. So for four weeks, we're going to be diving into what is prophecy, what is the gift of the Holy Spirit, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit that we call prophecy, picking this apart, what, what prophecy isn't, because a lot of times, you know, there's been some bad teaching on prophecy in the past through the church, and so we want to have a really clear understanding of this gift, of this ministry, because it's so important to the body. It's so important to the body. It gets neglected a lot of times because sometimes people are afraid of it or they don't understand um, how to kind of wrap their minds around how prophecy works and why it's so important. And so these are some of the things that we're going to be looking at. Now, I know in this room, we have people who are on all different levels with this. Maybe you have zero experience whatsoever with the, the gift of prophecy. Maybe you have decades of experience with the gift of prophecy. Our hope is that regardless of where you are, on this spectrum, we can call you higher throughout this series. If you have no experience whatsoever, we would like to encourage you into some experience. If you have decades of experience, we want to encourage you to steward that gift really, really well, to take the prophetic words and the prophetic dreams and the prophetic pictures that you've collected over years and years and use them as a, as a tool with a sharp edge to build up the body of Christ, to encourage people, to call people into their destinies, and then eventually to begin to steer the church, right? Because the prophets actually have a gift that allows them to speak correctively and speak words of encouragement over the entire church as a whole. And so... We're going to be looking at all those things throughout this series. Um, our relationships should become more vibrant when we have conversations with God. A lot of times, prophecy is painted as this thing that's really difficult to access. But what prophecy is really about is it's about having conversations with God. We're all invited to have conversations with God. That's the relationship that Jesus sets up, right? He, he sacrifices himself, he dies on the cross, he's resurrected, and we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit dwells within us. The Holy Spirit is God. And so we, we have this ability to have conversations with God throughout our lives. And I think that's a powerful, powerful tool. I think God wants to uh, empower us to use those conversations even more effectively in our families, in our, in our personal lives, in our communities, in our churches. Prophecy can be a tool that really, really unlocks the heart of the Father to the people around us. So it's a gift, it's a manifestation of the Spirit, and all that means is when the Holy Spirit's present, prophecy manifests. Prophecy becomes evident. It comes into the room with the Holy Spirit, right? So we want to just kind of take a look at what some of that means. So let's talk topically on prophecy. I'm not going to take one passage and <clears throat> expose it to you this morning. What we're going to do is we're just going to kind of talk about this topic a little bit. And I'm going to give you some scriptures to look up and some things throughout the week to consider. Um, but we want to talk about how it's fundamentally important that we are on the same page when we talk about prophecy. We have to know what we mean when we say prophecy. So the words prophet, prophecy, prophesy, and prophetic occur a combined 531 times in the ESV. This is interesting because the translators of the ESV are people who 
most of them are cessationists. Most of them don't even believe that these gifts have continued into the present. But they can't get away from the importance of prophecy in their translation. So we have an, an extremely important element of life with God that has kind of been relegated to this uh, peripheral thing. When we talk about prophecy, it's like, oh, it's kind of weird, and it's over here, and it's messy, and you know, maybe we don't want to think about it or put it on the stage or make it you know, in, in the forefront. Um, but it should be sometimes. Our framework for prophecy comes from very clear instruction in the New Testament that prophecy is an incredible tool for the building up of the body, and it is for today. So spiritual gifts have kind of become a hot topic among Christians today, and in many ways, spiritual gifts tests have kind of become like the personality tests of Western Christianity They've, they've kind of been watered down to this thing where, you know, oh, you get together with your Christian friends and let's all take a spiritual gifts test and see which ones we score high on. And, you know, I, that's, I, I'm sorry, but I think that's kind of foolish. I think it's kind of silly. Because when we do that, we make it seem a lot like uh, the spiritual gifts belong to us. But they don't. We have a really skewed perspective of spiritual gifts, and a lot of people actually begin to find their identity in a spiritual gift. They begin to find their identity in, you know, hospitality, or they begin to find their identity in uh, teaching or, or prophecy, right? But our identity is never as a prophet or as a teacher. First, we're sons and daughters of God. Then we operate in his spiritual gifts. So we have to keep that in perspective. So our identity does not come from our spiritual gifts. However, uh, our understanding of the spiritual gifts kind of is, is it's just a slight pivot from this framework. The gifts and the manifestations of the Holy Spirit belong to him, not us. And so it's important that we remember that Holy Spirit will move through any of us if we will have him guide us. And so this is huge because sometimes you could take one of those spiritual gifts tests and you score really low on something, and you say, oh, well, I don't have an aptitude for that, so I'm not going to try. And that's a crime, because if the gifts belong to the Holy Spirit, he gives to each as he chooses, and we in this church believe that means situationally. We don't believe that those, there are some constitutional gifts of the Holy Spirit, but these gifts that we're talking about, especially prophecy, are not necessarily constitutional gifts. They're situational gifts. So if I get into a situation where God would like to release a prophecy through me, he'll do that as he pleases. But if I'm not open to it, I can shut that off. If I'm not open to him releasing a prophecy through my mouth, I can actually steal from the promises of God for the people around me, right? So I really want to be open to this gift. And I'm going to be really honest with you guys. I'm doing the first message because I have the least experience in this. I'm doing the first message because I don't have a ton of confidence in my ability to teach on, you know, deep revelation and, and this, you know, high-level prophecy. But what I do have confidence in is my ability to earnestly desire prophecy, Right? And so that's why I'm talking to you today, because we want to lay a foundation for earnestly desiring the gift of prophecy. And we'll get into that a little later. It's evident throughout the scriptures that the prophets were the people who had special access to God, people who were close to him and knew his heart. But 
in the Old Testament, that looked like a few people who had special access to God, right? That looked like the prophets who would prophesy over Israel and they would give these grand prophetic words and write prophetic books like Jeremiah and Isaiah. But now, as people filled with the Holy Spirit, we have this special access to God. So when people set prophecy up as this thing that is for the few, and I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, we're gonna, we'll get there. But when people set it up as that kind of thing, it's, it's not. We all have this special access to God now. Okay, so just wrap your brains around that because it's going to be really important as we go on for the next four weeks. We, God wants to give us access to his heart. He wants to give us access to the things that he wants to speak into the earth. So be ready to hear from him. Moses in the Old Testament was clearly a man who was close to God, right? We see him lead Israel in powerful ways. He does signs and wonders. He's He's a a great leader, right? He and his brother, and even though Moses lacked a little confidence sometimes, he was a seriously prophetic person. He was a seriously prophetic person who had close encounters with the presence of God, who spoke to him personally throughout the narrative of the Old Testament. And so he came into this intense, intimate, holy presence of God on numerous occasions, and he made a foreshadowing statement in Numbers 11.29. So revisit this later if you like. Numbers 11.29. Moses says, Are you jealous for my sake? Would that all the Lord's people were prophets, that the Lord would put his spirit on them. So what's Moses saying? He says when the spirit of God is put on the people, they become prophets. They become enabled to prophesy. So this is, this is no Israel, right? This is known by the man who received the law from God and gave it to Israel, right? He said, look, when the Spirit of God comes and is on a person, they are capable of prophesying. That's huge. Prophecy is clearly evidence to Moses that God had put his Spirit on someone. And again, Joel prophesies that the Spirit would be poured out on all flesh and that sons and daughters would prophesy, right, in the book of Joel. And we, we beat that over the head. I mean, I, you know, if I had a dollar for every time we preached that from the front here, I would be rich. So probably wouldn't have to work at Skyline anymore. No, I'm just kidding. I love you guys. On the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit is poured out on the people, Peter quotes Joel in Acts 2 to say the same thing. He points this out. He says, okay, the Holy Spirit's here now. You will prophesy. The Spirit has been poured out on us so that we might prophesy. From that moment in Acts 2 forward, the gift of the Holy Spirit, among many other things, is unto the gift of prophecy. The opening line, I love this, the opening line of Graham Cook's Developing Your Prophetic Gifting is this, prophecy is a gift of the Holy Spirit. Prophecy does not belong to the people. The Holy Spirit gives gifts to people at his own discretion. Sorry, a little dry throat this morning. Let me explain what this means. Because this can be kind of a confusing statement. Because the way that I'm putting this forward makes it sound like everybody can prophesy and every pro- everybody prophesies equally and with equal you know, depth of revelation and whatever. When I say revelation, that's just knowledge from God, okay? So 
What I, I like to think of it this way. My family, for generations, has had a proud tradition of expert lawn care. My dad has a beautiful yard. My grandfather had a beautiful yard. My great-grandfather ran a greenhouse, and he had an incredible property, right? Like, they, when they cut the grass, it's a serious responsibility. I mean, they're not cutting the grass just because it's too tall. Like, they're cutting the grass because it's art. This should be funny. So, <laughs> when I was growing up, Dad cut the grass, and that's how it was. Dad cut the grass because Dad cut the grass well. But... We were allowed to cut the grass. I was allowed to cut the grass, and he wanted me to get better at cutting the grass, right? He wanted me to continue this tradition of having a beautiful lawn in front of my house. And if mom wanted to cut the grass, mom could cut the grass, right? And so dad would be like, you know, come on, like, let's cut the grass. And I remember when my little brother began to cut the grass. It was kind of like a rite of passage. It was a coming of age kind of thing, you know? And it's, it's a serious deal in my family, so don't, don't mess with the, with the lawn. But this is how prophecy works, okay? So we have this gift from the Holy Spirit. He wants everybody to participate. He wants everybody to get good at it. The better you get at it, the more he's going to give you. The more you practice, the more you partner with him, the more open you become to this gift, the more he's going to give you. So dad cuts the grass all the time because dad's really good at cutting the grass, when dad gets on the lawnmower and he goes out and cuts the grass, he's going to cut some crazy checkered pattern, you know, and it's going to be awesome. And people are going to drive by on the road and be like, oh, man, look at that yard. That's why dad cuts the grass all the time, right? But he wants to train us up in cutting the grass so that when we do it, right, eventually we can have our, I don't know, cutting, own cutting the grass ministry or whatever. So the Holy Spirit is doing this with us, right? He's given people a greater measure of this gift, not so they can flaunt it, Right? Not so that they can keep everybody else off the lawnmower, so that they can actually put you in that seat and say, okay, go, make something great, and give you feedback and, and help you with that, right? So we look at prophecy this way. So when we have someone in, under the new covenant that we call a prophet, that person actually has a great responsibility to begin to put other people in that seat, right? Not to stand on the stage and say, I'm the only one who has this. They have a great responsibility to train up multitudes of people who can function in the same way. So when you see people who are great prophets and give great prophetic words, the fruit of that should be training others in that gift. That was a little bit of a sidetrack from my notes, but I think it's important. God gives us prophecy because it's more than just a fancy toy. It's not about knowing the future. And it's not about telling people what to do or making them do what you want to do. Right? That's actually evil. That's not what prophecy is about. Prophecy is about connecting people to the heart of God. At its very essence, prophecy is about connecting people to the heart of God. And so the Holy Spirit is called the Holy Spirit because he is the Spirit of God and he is holy. Sometimes people have taken prophecy and turned it into a show in the church. But prophecy is intended to increase holiness in the people. 
Every gift of the Holy Spirit, you can look at it and say, that should stir up holiness in the people. When I've received prophecy in my life, when prophetic people have come to me and said, here, I have this for you, and it's been accurate and I've received it, it has grown me up in holiness, right? So the Holy Spirit is bringing holiness. So when prophecy begins to look like anything other than holiness, throw it out because it's not from the Holy Spirit, okay? So prophecy done right should push us into holiness both when we receive it and when we shut it in the room. See, this is the thing. Prophets... Who, if, you're, if you consider yourself a prophet in the room, listen, when you, when you share prophecy, when you get something from the Lord and you share it, that should also be growing you up in holiness. It should be growing you up in humility. It should be growing you up in understanding the gravity of hearing something from God and sharing it with one of his people. It's an amazing opportunity to allow the Holy Spirit to grow us up. Because we don't lord prophecy over people, right? We share it humbly. We share it the way Jesus shared it. We say, here, I have a, a, a bit of gold here for you to give to you if you'll have it. You know, and I think that's, that's the most amazing thing, is that it's this, this dance, you know? And we talk about prophecy as a gift of the Holy Spirit, but the prof- prophecy involves the whole trinity, Prophecy is one of the most beautiful expressions of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit because it's the love of the Father, His heart being communicated by the Holy Spirit through you as representatives of Jesus. So all three of them are are displayed. You know, it's this sacrificial love, it's this brotherly love that we see through Jesus displayed in this gift, you know, receiving revelation from the Father. So it's really cool. I love it. Um, to understand what holiness looks like, the first thing that we have to understand is how the prophet operates in the context of the new covenant. Because this really radically uh, is, is changed from the Old Testament. So we're going to look at, just for a moment, the Old Testament prophet versus the New Testament prophet. See, so these prophets in the Old Testament, they carried amazingly powerful prophecies, but they were under a different covenant, which just meant God made a different agreement with the people. And so it worked a little bit differently. So it's kind of a dangerous thing to do when we look at the Old Testament prophet and we just use that as a model for our prophecy today. So what we've got to do is we've got to understand that in the Old Testament, this was a small group of people that had the responsibility of bringing God's revelation to the people of Israel. Often, Because in the Old Testament, these people were under the law, right? They were under the law, not grace. They had this codified system of laws that had been given to them that they were supposed to follow. And they had a system of sacrifice, right? We talked about that a few weeks ago and this whole thing. Their prophecy sounded different, right? Because they were prophesying into a different law. So these prophecies had a lot to do with judgment and warning and addressing the leaders of the day directly, Right, And our prophecy is going to look a little bit different under the new covenant because we're living under a covenant of grace. So the New Testament prophets' framework is different for a few reasons. First, Jesus. I mean, we are covered by grace, and the responsibility of carrying God's information has been passed to the entire church, not just the few. You know, we are the carriers of the Spirit of God. And so... 
that's, that's a huge thing. And I think the second difference is that all of these prophets that we hear about in the Old Testament, these people are prophesying over the nation of Israel and the people of Israel, right? And I've known people in my life who have this framework of the Old Testament prophet, and they're kind of trying to force it into today, but it doesn't really work today. Because I'm going to be honest with you, I'm not important. Like in the culture, in, in my day-to-day life, when I sit in my house, when I speak, like the whole nation doesn't listen up, okay? So these prophets in the Old Testament, they were appointed to like governmental positions over Israel, and so they would be given things from God for the entire nation, for the entire people. And one of the, this is, this is tough, one of the silliest things sometimes is that I see people who don't have authority over nations prophesying over nations. And that just ain't how it works. Right? Like, if I don't have authority over my house, I can't prophesy over my house. If I don't have authority in this church, I can't prophesy into this church. And so you kind of have to think about what areas you've been given authority. Right? And so sometimes I see people who you know, they're, they're freaking out because they're these prophets and they've got these blogs and they've got these Facebook pages and they're like, oh, you know, there's a Jezebel spirit in the mouth of our politicians and there's, you know, okay, fine. I'm worried that there's a political spirit in the mouth of our prophets. I'm worried that there's a political spirit in the mouth of our prophets because we've got to understand what authority looks like. So if you are a prophetic person who's been given authority over nations, who's been given authority over leaders, go for it. Prophesy into those things. But if you're a prophetic person who's been given authority over Oxford or over your house or over this house, right, do that. Stay in that arena because that's where it's going to be powerful. It's not going to be powerful if you just open up a blog and you start prophesying about President Trump because you don't have any authority over him or over this country, right? So... That's a little bit of a rant, but just keep an eye out for that stuff, right? Because the healthy prophetic voice, the prophetic voice that's going to steer us and guide us and build our lives up is the one that relates to us personally. This is, we talk about a personal relationship with God. We can't just throw that out the window when we start to prophesy, right? This should be an intensely personal thing. I love that. So practically speaking, there are three steps in sharing prophecy, whether it's something as simple as Jesus loves you, do you realize that that can be a prophecy? Saying Jesus loves you, that can be a prophetic word, right? In an appointed moment, Jesus loves you can crumple somebody to the floor. Or, so the first step is revelation. The first uh, thing that happens is that you're going to receive something that like initiates this prophecy. And so this could look like a picture in your mind's eye. It could look like a dream. It could look like a daydream. Um, it could look like a vision or a hunch or a feeling or a word or a phrase that comes to mind. So if you've ever had thoughts and you just like had this weird random thought and you were like, ah, why, why am I thinking about that right now? It could very well be the Holy Spirit. He lives inside of you. 
right? And one of my favorite things in School of Kingdom Ministry that Putty talks about is like, God worked really hard to get the Holy Spirit inside of you. And so we're always looking for a voice, a booming voice coming from the outside. We need to look inward, right? Because the voice of the Holy Spirit is often going to come from inside your mind. And I think that's beautiful. A couple weeks ago, my car broke down, and it was very sad, and it cost me a lot of money. Um, I was driving, and the suspension ball joint came out of the, you know, if this means anything to you, and so the wheel, like, basically came off, and the whole car landed on the front axle, and it broke it in half, and it cost me, like, $600 to get it fixed. But the funniest thing about that was that, like, the four days leading up to that, every day I would get out of bed, and I would be getting dressed, and I'd have this bizarre thought, like, you should take your car to the shop and get the suspension tested. And I was like, why would I do that? And so I just went about my day and di- completely disregarded it. And then four days later, you know, the suspension ball joint comes out and it cost me $600. I think that was probably the Holy Spirit trying to tell me that my car was about to break down, right? I'd call me crazy, but I think that might have been what it was. And so pay attention to those little nudges, you know? If I take my car to the shop and get the suspension tested, what's the weirdest thing that could happen, right? They're like, well, you're, it's fine, you know? But it could have saved me 600 bucks. so it's, you know, it's like that. I mean, those, those things, there's nothing too small, you know? We really have got to get us, ourselves out of this mindset that it's got to be this grandiose, loud, crazy, profound thing that comes from heaven, right? It's just the still, small voice. God says that himself many, many times. Pay attention to the still, small voice. So that's the first step, revelation. The second step is interpretation, interpretation of that revelation is where things can sometimes go off the rails. Uh, This is the part where we have to be very intentional about entering into a conversation with God. So when when we call this series Translating God, we're talking about this conversation with God. We want to share a revelation in a way that is helpful and uplifting to the other person, not through our own lens of hurt or negativity or anger, right? So when we hear something from God, when I hear something from God, the first thing I do is say, Holy Spirit, why are you telling me this? And the craziest thing is that he'll answer. It's so cool. I mean, I'm serious. Try it sometime. You guys are like, this guy's nuts. No, it's really, really awesome. So the first thing you've got to do is get clear on why you're getting what you're getting. Because a lot of times, people make the mistake of just immediately sharing what they've got in their head whether it's the word or the picture or the dream or whatever. And they don't put it through any lens of interpretation. And there are, there are scads of uh, Old Testament examples of dreams and words and visions being interpreted by the prophets before they are shared, or actually people coming to them, right, with dreams and visions and words for them to interpret back to them to get the meaning. So the interpretation is very important, and it's something that just takes practice, People get weird about practicing the spiritual gifts because it makes it sound like, you know, it's something that belongs to us. Really, it's practicing partnering with the Holy Spirit. It's practicing being open to hearing His voice. It's practicing being available, right? A couple weeks ago, I talked about sacrifice. I talked about sacrificing your will and being available. That's what it is, right? We've got to just be in this place where it's like, okay, God, speak to me. I'm ready. You know, I'm an agent of your kingdom right now, and so whatever you have, I'm open to it. Very important. 
The third part of that is the delivery. Now, the delivery of the prophecy is something that is very, very important to us in the vineyard movement. The vineyard movement has a legacy of being naturally supernatural. So if you've been here for a long time, you've heard that thrown out. If you have not been here for a long time, uh, you'll hear that. You'll hear us say that, being naturally supernatural. What does that mean? Basically what that means is when we operate in these spiritual gifts, when we operate in what the Holy Spirit has given us to steward to the people around us, we want to make it as not weird as possible because it's already supernatural. It's already from God, right, contacting the physical world, and it's already going to be weird. And so we don't need to make it weirder. There are so many prophets who make it weirder than it needs to be. And they get up on the stage and they say all this crazy stuff. And they, you know, and it's just like, man, just say it, you know? And, and I think we would do well to not have our conversations with God any differently than we would have conversations with one another. And I think we would do well not to share what God tells us any differently than we would share what a friend tells us. So if Josh comes to me and he tells me something and he says, hey, next time you see Bill, tell Bill this. I'm not going to go up to Bill and say, thus saith Josh, and then share the, right? I'm just going to say, hey, Bill, Josh told me to tell you that, right? And it's not going to be weird. Don't make it weird. We don't want to make it seem extra spiritual or out of reach for other people. Because that's what we do when we make it weird. When we make it weird, people look at it and go, I don't think I can do that. Or I don't think I want to do that. And that's what most of the already open to this gift. Let's make prophecy look weird sometimes. And then the rest of the church, who's not already open to this gift, they look over there and their greatest fears are validated. Because they say, see, it's weird. Because the prophet made it look weird. So don't make it look weird. All right, I'm done with that. So, whoops, no lid. That's an inside joke, I'm sorry. Um, prophecy takes practice, and so the only way we're going to improve is if we try it out. The only way we're going to improve is if we try it out. That's why we do so much practice in School of Kingdom ministry. We do practice and we do activations because we want to get some reps in. You know, we want to get the, we want to repeat the exercise over and over again until we can say, okay, I heard this and this was God and this wasn't, right? This is a way that God speaks to me and this is a way that he does not speak to me. So I want to encourage you, try it out here. Try it out on Sunday mornings, right? If you're kind of on the fence about the prophecy thing, this is a pretty safe place. Come prophesy to me because if you prophesy to me and you're wrong, you know what I'll say? Yeah, missed it. Try again, right? It's, it's not, it doesn't have to be scary. And so we've got to sink in that, that this, the more we experience, the more confidence we're going to have in sharing what he's saying to us. And the more confidence we have in sharing what he's saying to us, the more impact it's going to have on the people around us. So it comes down to making mistakes, reflecting, and trying again, just like any, sharpening any other skill. And if you think that that sounds strange or that sounds unbiblical, I want to encourage you to check out Acts chapter 21, verses 10 through 14. So in Acts chapter 21, verses 10 through 14, there's a man who prophesies, and his name is Agabus. And Agabus shares a prophetic word or a prophetic picture with Paul about Paul's travels. And most of it was right, but part of it was not. 
And what happened when Agabus shared this prophetic word and part of it was wrong? Does anybody know what happens? Nothing. Nothing happened. He was just wrong. And Paul said, well, this is right and this wasn't. And he took it and he went. And so the, the thing that I want to get at here is like in the Old Testament, when a prophet would miss it, see, they were there, the only voice for God among the people, short of him like speaking from heaven, right? So if they missed it, it was a big deal because they were the only ones speaking for him. But in the present, it's about partnership. It's about friendship. God wants to show us what he's doing. And so don't be afraid to practice because some people get caught up in this, you know, oh, well, if I miss it, then, you know, I've blasphemed the Holy Spirit or I've, you know, whatever. No, no, just be honest, right? Just be honest and say, you know, I think I heard this and share it and then get feedback. Ask the people, you know, does this, does this make sense to you? Is this something that resonates? And they can say, no, it's not. And then you say, okay, I'll try again later, right? It, it's not scary. It doesn't have to be scary. So I want to encourage you. Agabus was not struck dead by God or chastised by his fellow Christians as a false prophet, and you won't be either if you try it here and miss it. So be encouraged in that. So the last thing I want to talk about a little bit is maturity in prophecy. And this is something that we're going to kind of hang over the last three messages in this, in this series. As we progress in this gift, it's available to each of us, but as we begin to partner with the Holy Spirit more and more, we mature in it. And so that's my lawnmower analogy, right? You get better at cutting the grass, you get to cut the grass more. So I'm going to show you a graphic that has been adapted from Graham Cook's uh, Growing in the Prophetic that he calls the swimming pool of prophecy. And so this swimming pool, as you can see, it has some different depths to it. And so the first, the shallow end of the pool is the gift of prophecy. Now, I don't call it the shallow end in any way to suggest that prophecy is a shallow prophetic gift. So don't hear what I'm not saying. I had to get one of those in. Uh, the gift of prophecy is experienced in this, in this end, in the, in the gift of prophecy side. It's experienced kind of irregularly and not necessarily in any predictable fashion. Um, you're open to it, but it's just the here and there kind of prophetic word. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. This is where I'm at right now. I'm here because I'm open to it, and I want to partner with the Holy Spirit, and I want to prophesy, and I'm desiring it, but I haven't like really sharpened it yet. You know what I mean? So when we start out, this is where we're at. It's the gift. We're experiencing the gift as the Holy Spirit gives it, and you know, he's going to give it where he pleases. The second portion of the pool is what we will call the prophetic ministry. And so the prophetic ministry, somebody starts to cross into the prophetic ministry when they have displayed over and over again prophetic words that have been accurate, they've been regular, they've definitely been from God. And this is simply the person experiencing more of the Holy Spirit giving them that gift because they know how to use it, right? It's not, it doesn't begin to belong to them anymore because the Holy Spirit can stop sharing whenever he wants, you know? So this is, this is where you start to see somebody uh, speak into the life of the people around them in a consistent way, speak into the life of the church, right? So we have a few people in this room who would fall into this category where they are actually releasing prophecies to the staff and to the church body as a whole, and, and they, we trust them to kind of be a, a rudder to sort of steer the activity of this particular church because they've been accurate over time. 
And then there's the third of these, the deepest end of the pool, is the office of the prophet. And so this is when, when Jesus talks about the fivefold ministry, right? And he throws out the apostles and the prophets, the evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. The prophet in this fivefold ministry is the one in the, in the office of the prophet who is um, in the deepest portion of the pool. And these are people who are actually speaking over like larger groups of people. And I believe we have a couple of those in this room too, who are directing like the multiple places from different walks of life. And I've met a few of these people and they're an incredible gift to the church. When they steward this well, it's amazing. It's amazing what can happen. And we have moments where we like kind of glimpse this when, we, when, see, God kind of does this through the people too. He'll do this organically through multiple people having like the same dream or the same vision or the same whatever. So one of these in Oxford that's happened many, many times over time is people have had, I've met dozens of people in this city who have had a dream about the entire church being united as one church in Oxford, in the city, under the banner of the church in Oxford, either meeting uptown or in Jaeger Stadium. Many, many people have had that dream. And so that's this kind of like direction of the people, you know, that happens on a wide scale. And, and this, I wanna, this prophetic office thing, this is like decades of faithfulness to prophesy, and decades of faithfulness to partner with the church, right? You can't have somebody in the prophetic office who doesn't love the church. That's really important because this, this is about helping the church. This is about building up the church, taking groups of people and pastors and elders on a journey where God wants them to go. So I want to encourage you, wherever you're at in the pool, press into a deeper level. If you're right now experiencing, if you've never experienced the gift of prophecy, I hope you begin to desire it. And you begin to experience that gift of prophecy here and there. If you're already experiencing the gift of prophecy in an irregular, unpredictable way, like me, begin to desire the prophetic ministry. Begin to make it a regular part of your life where you come back to this and you say, Holy Spirit, I want more. I want to I share what you're saying, God, with the people around me. I want to help build them up. Right? It's about communicating the heart of God. It's not about information. And if you're in this prophetic ministry and you've been prophesying for a long time and there's been accuracy and you've seen fruit from that, you've seen people grow up in holiness and you yourself have grown up in holiness, desire the prophetic office. There's nothing wrong with wanting more, right? Because if you want more here, my hope is that you want more because you want people to understand that the Father loves them more. That's what's at the center of this. It's not about having a cool toy to play with. It's not about being singled out in the church or having some special anointing or, you know, whatever. That anointing word gets thrown out all the time. And I'm like, man, just, I don't know, just do it. So the teaching on, on prophecy in the next three weeks will have more and more depth to it. And I just want to encourage you, like 1 Corinthians 14.1. What does it say? Paul says, earnestly pursue love first, earnestly pursue love, and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, all of the gifts of the Spirit, not just prophecy, especially prophecy. 
right? So Paul understands that prophecy kind of like holds the keys to unlock people's hearts, holds the keys to unlock bad doctrine in churches, right? Holds the keys to, to life transformation for groups of people. That's why he says, especially prophecy. So worship team, come on back up. And I'm going to pray for us to pursue love, desire the Holy Spirit's gifts, especially prophecy. So Jesus, we just thank you for this time this morning. We thank you for um, your gift of the Holy Spirit, for the, the person of the Holy Spirit living inside of us who desires to speak to us, who desires to speak to the people around us. God, I just ask for more this morning. Lord, that you would um, cause us to earnestly pursue love, that you would just cause us to look at the people around us and see them the way you see them. Not see what we already see with our natural eyes, but see what you desire to make evident in the future and then give us the words to call that out, to call that into being. Thank you, God. Just stir up, stir up that desire, stir up hunger in us right now, God. Myself and everyone in this room, we just want more of you, Jesus. Amen.